I want to tell you about a journey that I had yesterday on my way down here, actually. And um, I set out, and uh, I was leaving in good time so that I knew that when I got here, I'd got time to do the things that I needed to do before the day got going. And do you know, I had not got to the top of my road when the traffic alert came through the, the system, you know. And it said that the A21 was completely blocked in both directions between Hurst Green and Roberts Bridge. And I thought, oh, oh. And very helpfully, the person said, um, and so you will have to divert. The diversion is from Flimwell, and you'll have to go through Hawkehurst, and then you'll come down to Seddlescombe, and you'll rejoin the A21, and it's quite a long diversion. I thought, I know, I know. Oh, well, nothing for it. So I get to Flimwell, and I indicate to take the, the road off to the left that is going to take me around the diversion, because that's what had been said. And yet, when I looked, there were no road close signs, I think there might have been one diversion sign because I saw it this morning, but I didn't see it yesterday. And as I was heading off down the diversion, I was thinking, is that right? Oh. Oh, was that true? Is the road closed? Could I have gone straight on? Oh. And suddenly I was, well, I was committed. You know, I, I did think, shall I turn round? And then I thought, well, there's no point now. I'm on this road. I might as well just keep going. And then, of course, the road um, traffic alert came in um, again. The road is closed in both directions on the A21 between such and such and such and such. And I was in this kind of, well, it must be true then. It must be true because they're saying so. And yet there was no evidence on the road that it was true. And it's really difficult these days, isn't it, to know, to know what is truth and what is not truth? If you're on social media of any sort, we are bombarded all the time with messages and information. How can you tell the difference between what's true and what's not true? Do you know one in three people, it is said, cannot tell the difference between real news and fake news, real information and fake information? And that's really scary, isn't it? Really scary. It's so clever, and it's full of. There are, the world is full of scams and frauds, and you know people who are out to trick you out of this and trick you out of that. And of course, we are hearing a lot about the way that um, heads of governments are using fake news to deny nations of people of truth, and by cutting off other sources of information. That's the only information that they have. And so we're left with this question. Pilate actually said it. What is truth? What is truth? So we're going to spend just a little bit of time in a minute looking at that. What is truth? So what is truth? <laughs> I looked it up in the dictionary. The quality or state of being true. That's helpful, isn't it? <laughs> you define it by its very own word. So that didn't help. 
I said just now, Pilate asked Jesus the very same question when Jesus was in front of him um, as part of the, uh, the trial process he went through. Jesus had been talking about the fact that he was a king, or Pilate had asked him, are you a king? And that he'd come into the world to testify to the truth. And those on the side of truth, Jesus said, listen. And Pilate said, what is truth? What is truth? And 2,000 years later, we still have that same kind of cynical attitude, don't we? In fact, if anything, it's got worse. What is truth? What is truth? Some people say that, um, or some, some people that like to uh, um, philosophize, if that's a word. Have I just made a word up? I think I might have done. Um, whatever it is that philosophers do, um, they, um, they say that, that truth is about power. It's about controlling the masses. And we see that at work today, don't we? To some, truth is the individual world of preference and opinion. It's my truth. Might be different to your truth, but my truth is my truth. Others believe that it's a collective judgment. And I guess that's what happens on juries, in a sense, isn't it? Others flatly deny that there is anything, um, the concept of truth doesn't exist. And I started thinking about truth because of one of the verses in uh, one of yesterday's lectionary readings, which was um, John 8, 31 to 36. And I'm going to read uh, that reading. John 8, 31 to 36. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Familiar words, aren't they? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what's Jesus saying here? Well, I think first of all we need to look at what the biblical perspective of truth is, and then we need to have a look at what he's saying about being set free. So I'm going to go back to Psalm 31, but I've got to read it out of this version because I discovered that this version has changed one of the words, and that's not very helpful, is it? The different translations, hey? Psalm 31, verses 3 to 5. This has the, that has the sense of it, but it doesn't have the same um, pinpoint, if you like. Psalm 31, verses 3 to 5. And the psalmist is uh, David, and he's talking to the Lord. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, 
O Lord, the God of truth. In my version, it talks about um, faithfulness rather than truth. We've been singing, there it is in the psalm, my rock, my fortress, my refuge. These are strong images, aren't they, of reliability and dependability, never wavering, never faltering, never fickle, never changing minds. O Lord, the God of truth. And then I discovered that there is a name of God that depicts truth. And we, we often talk about the names of God, don't we? Because they, they speak to who he is. They speak to his character. And El Emet, or El Emen sometimes, truth, the God of truth, the Lord of truth, solid, reliable, substantial truth, the God of truth. And that word, um, El, you'll be familiar with, uh, means God. The word Emet, or sometimes Emen, is where we get Amen from. How about that? So when we say Amen at the end of a prayer, we are declaring the truth of what we've heard in that prayer and our agreement to it. I didn't know that. And just to be, to be sure that we understand that um, God's character is truth. Scripture also tells us that he cannot lie. If we, if we looked at Numbers chapter 23, we would find he cannot lie. So, when God's word says, you are beautiful, you are loved, you are free, you are safe, you are protected, you are his child, he will provide, he is trustworthy, you're the apple of his eye, you're chosen, he cannot lie. God of truth cannot lie. So there's no kind of quibble, well, it is, you are, amen. <laughs> and in the New Testament, Jesus takes up the theme of God being truth and says, I am truth. So we have God with a, with a name um, that refers to his character of truth. And then we have Jesus saying, a bit later on from where I've read in John, I am the way, the truth and the life. So God the Father is truth, Jesus is truth. And the truth, the word truth, as used in the New Testament, uh, the Greek word has the understanding about reality. I am the reality, Jesus is saying. Not the illusions, the trickery, the magic, the slate of hand. Is it slate of hand? Slight of hand. Slight of hand. Whatever it is. That, um, you know, that magicians can use to produce some um, tricks. This is reality. So in the midst of life's disappointments, and there are many, aren't there? In the midst of the struggles, the letdowns, the broken promises, the justice system that didn't quite serve justice, the health system that seems to be a bit more remote than it once was, the social services, poverty, war. One thing we can be sure of, 
God is truth. And just to complete the picture, Jesus also tells us in John 16 that the Holy Spirit is truth, the spirit of truth. So we have a trinity of truth. How about that? A trinity of truth. And the spirit of truth will guide us into truth. So we're not left groping in the dark for nebulous concepts that we can't quite understand. The spirit of truth will guide us to truth. So Jesus in this passage in John 8 is saying, if you hold to my teaching, you will know the truth. So what's he saying? Basically, he's saying, look at me, watch me, listen to me, hear me. Look at the way that I relate to God. Listen to what I tell you about God. Listen to the way that I describe relationship with God. Because if you can do that and believe that I am truth and God is truth, then it's about relationship, not about intellectual understandings. You will know truth because you'll know me. And if you know me, you know him. And of course, the people that um, Jesus was talking to completely missed the point, didn't they? They completely misunderstood. And if you're joining us for Easter, we are going to be looking at the theme of the misunderstood Messiah. All the misunderstandings that, um, that took place around, um, around Jesus and his, his death for us. They thought that he was telling them that they were slaves. They said, we're not slaves. <laughs> they didn't understand. They didn't understand the freedom that they lacked. They thought their freedom to live lives as they wanted was freedom. But actually, that's not really freedom, is it? What Jesus is talking about is the internal stuff. The fears, the anxieties, the compulsions, the secrets, the lies, the self-deceptions, the critical voices of self and others, the judgmental voices that we have of ourselves and others, the shame. That's what we are trapped by. That's what we are slaves to. So if Jesus is saying, you know the truth and that will set you free, does that mean that in that moment, all that stuff drops away? <laughs> Not quite. For some, yes. For some, they are set free from their fear and anxiety in that instant. For others, it's a journey. A process of being able to see things differently because we have the spirit of truth who will guide us into truth. You know, sin traps us in two ways. I don't know if you've thought about it like this before, but it traps us in two ways because it produces in us a compelling desire to find pleasure in other things other than Jesus. Things look more enticing, and we tell ourselves that it won't matter if we just do this. One more chocolate won't hurt. One more this. One more visit to that place. One more look at that website won't hurt. And we get trapped by the lie 
that it won't hurt. And then when we are trapped by the lie, it separates us from God. And the freedom that Jesus offers cuts through both of those because it corrects the balance. We have a new plumb line. We have new eyes. We have the spirit of truth so that we can recognize the lie and look to God. And then it restores relationship. So in this time of fake news and scams and everything else that's out there, we need to hold to the truth. The truth of who God is. People who work in banks will tell you that you don't learn to recognize counterfeit money by studying counterfeit money. How do you learn to tell the counterfeit? By learning what the real money looks like. How do people who are um, expert at, um, at art know a fake from the real McCoy, painted by the, the artist whose name is at the bottom? They study the work of the artist. They know his ways. They know his style. They know the brush strokes, the subtle things that the faker can never quite get right. So that's what we have to do. Study the truth. Keep our eyes on God. Because that's the only way that we can begin to tell the difference. For ourselves and for what's out there. So if you know the truth, the truth not being a fact, the truth being the person of God, then you will be really free. Not free in your outward way of living necessarily, but free who you are in here. Sometimes we talk about um, wanting God to lift us out of the struggles and the difficulties and the addictions and so on. And, um, you know, our prayers are like, cries for the helicopter to come and lift us out. My house group's doing um, the Pete Greg prayer course and um, Pete Greg often talks about we want God to lift us out of our difficulties. The God of truth parachutes in and makes a difference in. And that's the God of truth who will set you free.